everybody. Welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening, and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. It's so good to be together, to open the Word, to come together around the Word of God. And I just want to say my, my life has been marked by so many moments of doubt. And, and I think that it's a, it's a situation that we all relate to, all of us living under the curse of the fall, feeling like we're going from day to day. Sometimes it's the best we can do to just get through the day. And, and our passage is going to speak right, right into this. It's going to answer the question, does, does God have a plan for your life? Is there, is there anything more than just the day-to-day rhythms You lay down at night and you wake up the next morning and you wonder, is there something more? And scripture speaks into this, says, oh, is there something more? There is something eternally glorious for us to grasp. We're in Romans chapter 8. We're starting in verse 18, which reads, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Immediately, Paul starts off with, with, with building this contrast and saying on, on one side, there's, there's suffering. And he's not diminishing suffering. He's actually using the reality of suffering in your life and saying the suffering in your life, think about that. Hold on to that. Because he says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to contrast that. I'm comparing that to the glory, not that may be revealed, but the glory that will be revealed. In the children of God. That's our starting place. But it's not making light of this, this undercurrent of frustration that's so common to the human experience. And, and we're going to see words in our text such as frustration. We're going to see words in our text such as groaning. Of prolonged labor. The illustration of, of child labor that goes on and on. Waiting for the moment of relief. So there's, there's these tones of pain in all of humanity. And all you have to do is look into your own life. And, and, and in this COVID-19 season, I think it's, it's, you know, there's this corporate crisis going on. It, it's, it's common to all of us. And, and so we, we come into each new day with our own unique circumstances. And yet we're bound together in this corporate global season of crisis. And it just knocks us off balance. I mean, that's what suffering in general, it just knocks us off balance. And and for me personally, and you you can think of how have you been knocked off balance through this season? For me, it was it was moving to a new city right here, Colorado Springs, starting a new position. Folks, I made it six Sundays. Until everything flipped upside down. And and to be honest, I lost track of time a little bit. And I I counted up the Sundays getting ready for for right now. And this is Sunday number 16 of being physically isolated from you, my church family. It knocks you off balance. On the second Sunday that we were not able to gather physically, uh, I I wouldn't have even been able to be with you anyway. I I was rushing to the hospital with my wife. For a moment of prolonged, prolongedness, where my wife would go into labor 
and we would welcome our second child. They almost didn't even let me into the hospital. There was a question on our way over there, and I looked at Cassie, and I said, do you think they're going to let me in? I didn't know. Sure enough, there was an officer and, and, and staff at the entrance asking me who I was and why I thought I needed to come inside, checking my temperature, giving me a mask, just so that I could be with my wife for her labor and delivery. Other family, friends, not even in question, not allowed. This season knocks us off balance. And, and if we stare too intently at the, the temporal circumstances of our life, we, we become fixated on the, the, the pressures of life that are right in front of us. And we start to ask questions. God, do you have a plan for my life? This hurts. This is where our passage speaks. We're walking through the greatest story, your greatest story. And in week one, we said, we have come to believe that God loves me. In week number two, I've come to believe that my sin separates me from God. And week number three, Jesus died for my sins. And today, week number four, God has a plan for my life. I've come to believe it. God has a plan for your life. So let's open the word of God. It's a lengthy passage. It's a precious passage. Hear the word of the Lord, starting in Romans 8. 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration by not its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. In hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Not only so, but but we ourselves, the people of God, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they have already had? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Verse 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. As we allow the words of the Lord to to steep, to to permeate, to penetrate our heart, let's go before the Lord in prayer. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us as we open your word. Enliven our hearts to see the plans that you have for us. Open the eyes of our hearts to better understand the glorious eternity 
that you have prepared for your people. May the glory that you are preparing for all of our tomorrows change the way we live all of our todays. So Lord, place your passion deep in our bones that we might desire for every decision to be a kingdom decision. We ask that you would guide and guard this time in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to briefly go back to verse 18 where it says our present sufferings and just remind us again that Paul is not being flippant. He's not saying disregard your sufferings. Just think about heaven. Just think about some elusive daydream of life that could be better. He's not saying that at all. He's saying the opposite. He's saying, I want you to consider your sufferings. Consider every way that you're knocked off balance each and every day. Wherever you're at, the the exact circumstances of your today, right now, and all of your yesterdays. And I want to place hope, true kingdom hope, deep into your heart that says that something that is about to happen to you is beyond comparison. There is glory coming into your life. The reason I am so passionate about you grasping as much as you can, God's plan for your glory is this. I believe that to the, to the degree, to the degree that you are unable to grasp God's plan for you, to that degree, you will be unable to intentionally live for God each and every day. Or, or to put it in the positive, as you more and more understand God's plan for your life, conforming you to the image of the Son, to that degree, you will be able to wake up each and every day and take a step forward and take another step forward and live for God. See, what, what Paul is doing so masterfully is he's, is he's saying, we all know the suffering. We all know the bondage to decay, verse 23. We know that. We feel that in our bones. But consider the glory that will be revealed in you and see how that's happening in your life today. And so Paul is saying, you know, we go through life each and every day and we're just, we're looking at the circumstances in front of us. And and Paul says, just for a moment, lift up your gaze, lift up your gaze to the cross. The cross is exactly where we left off last week. And and when you come and you stand before the, the foot of the cross, the only way to see Christ is to look up and to see what he's doing to see what he's doing. He, he didn't just save you from sin. That's a part of it. He paid the debt that we owed. But that's not the whole story. Because he didn't just save us from something. He's saving us for something. And our text in verse 29 says, to conform you to the image of the Son. So you're not just saved from your sin, but you're saved to be made into the very likeness of of Christ. It, we, we cannot fully wrap our minds around this. Paul, Paul says elsewhere, in one of his letters to the church in Corinth, he says, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but soon we will see face to face. Now I know in part, but soon I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. So, so we're opening the word of God and we say, Oh my We are to be made into the image of Christ. God, I cannot even comprehend what that will look like to be eternally without sin in your very near presence. And God says, I'm bringing you this way. That's my plan for you. And it will change every single one 
of your days. So we're lifting up our head to look at that. We, we feel everything at the, at the ground level. We look out into the horizon and we see the groaning and the frustration. Verse 23 of our text says, Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. In other words, even the children of God who already have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the first fruits, there's more to come, but we already have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And we ourselves, and more than anyone else, because we see what God is up to, and yet our hearts ache. And so the believer's posture is, is just this, there's this tension of walking each and every day, of knowing that God is, is breaking in his salvation each and every day, more and more into the world. Right here in Colorado Springs, it's going forth. More people are being saved. Churches are growing. Churches are being planted. God's salvation work continues to happen. And yet we feel this groaning and this aching because we long to be with our Lord with the sin already pulled out of our hearts. But we stand up each day in the strength of the Lord and we say, God, I want to be your hands and your feet on mission for you. It's so hard to know that our circumstances are drenched. They are drenched in sin. But God doesn't leave us there. God, who is rich in mercy, he steps in. And your greatest story is God entering into that sin-soaked situation that you find yourself in and pulling you up out of it. Saying, that's not the plans I have for you to wallow in your sin. No, my plans for you are to redeem you and then to conform you into my image. Verses 28 to 30. We find and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose for those God foreknew. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. I want to clear up something because that verse 28 is a verse that we, many of us have memorized since our youth, says this, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. What that doesn't mean, I want to be clear because I don't want you walking each and every day with a misconception. It doesn't mean that God gives you good circumstances day after day after day after day. Pleasant is what I mean. What it means is that the believer will experience all things. We're not going to find any kind of comprehensive theology that says the believer's life is automatically going to look better than all of his or her neighbor's. We're not going to find that. What we're going to find, though, the promise of Scripture is that for the believer, for the child of God, if you are saying yes to God, God is going to start pulling in all of your circumstances the most pleasant of circumstances, as well as the circumstances that hurt you the most, that, that break your heart the most, that have torn you apart. And God is saying, I am the Redeemer God. And I can take all of your circumstances and I can bring them together in my, in my omnipotence, my power, and in my love. And I can use those things to conform you to the image of Jesus Christ. And the final word is that you will be made holy for all eternity. That's what we're headed toward. And that wakes us up in the morning and we say, God, I can live for you because I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. And so I can have my vision focused 
and centered on you. And I pray that your heart would leap for joy at this news that God desires to conform you into the image of Christ. I cannot think of anything more incredible, more jaw-dropping than this. Those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We're talking today about God having a plan for you, and it's right there in the text. God has a purpose for you, conforming you into the image of the Son. And it is mind-boggling to try to comprehend this. And, and, and I picture myself trying to study the beauty of the surface of the sun, our sun and our solar system. I've seen, I've seen the way, and you've seen the pictures of the ways the, the, the fire just comes out of the sun and there's waves and there's layers and there's, there's depths and there's shadows. And yet when we see it with our, with our naked eye, we, we can't even comprehend any of that. All we see is light. And it's like, it's like we see God and we see him saying, I'm going to make you like myself for all eternity. We're like, God, that is so hard for my still broken heart to see that in full. But I trust you and that makes me excited and it makes me want to live for you. The, the, the problem with, with us living under the curse of the fall is we, we, keep, we keep trying to compress reality. And we do it on both sides. So, so on the sin side, we say, well, sin's not really that bad. I mean, I, I, mean I, I err, I guess. I mean, I'm not always kind and I'm not always fully loving. But I mean, I try pretty hard. We're compressing reality when we do that. God says, for the wages of sin is death. And on, and on the other side, when, when God says, I am saving you for glory to conform you to the image of the Son. And we say, well, you know, being a Christian is, is nice and you know, I, God, yeah, I think he makes my life better. And um, there's this thing we call heaven. And, and I think it's going to be, you know, pretty good. And, and uh, it's glorious beyond comprehension. And, and my prayer for you today is that, is that instead of this default compressing of reality, that, you, that, that the eyes of your heart would be opened, that you would see that you've been set free and it is beautiful beyond telling to the degree that you are able to grasp this reality is the degree that you will be able to wake up each morning and say, I am living for God. I'm a child of God. And every action I make, I want to be a kingdom action for the further inbreaking of the salvation of the world. Why? Because until you begin to, to grasp this eternal glory that God is purposing for your life, you're going to be holding too tightly to the things of the world. You're going to only be looking out at the horizon, forgetting what God is doing. And you're going to see all these circumstances. And you're, just, you're going to try to start taking and building your little kingdom and your little castle. You're going to be seeking only momentary pleasures. It, it, it turns into self-worship. When you string together this whole passage, when you string this passage together with, with verse 18 and then portions of 28 and 29 and 30. Listen to what Paul is saying. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For we know that in all things, all circumstances, God is working for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose, to be conformed into the image of his son. Those he justifies, he glorifies. So all things are all circumstances to the believer. And I want to I speak to the good. 
Because too often what happens is our hearts want to define the good for our own bent ways. And and that's what becomes self-worship. And so good for me, you know, it's things that bring momentary pleasure. You know, I love skiing so much, but it becomes an idol so quickly for me. And I can picture myself in my own little kingdom. Uh, I've just bought my new Audi A8. I've got some nice new winter tires. I'm headed up to uh, enjoy my season pass at Beaver Creek. And, um, you know, I've got my, my thermos full of hot chocolate and it's just me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity. And, and the kids are, are back at home, childcare, and I'm, I'm, just, I'm just thinking about me. And, and I, one of my fears, and if you can hear my heart in this, because there's a big term in, in American theology right now, soul care, self-care, which is vital and important. Hear me on that. But here's my concern, if you can hear my pastoral heart. Be careful when that becomes self-worship. Because there is a hurting and broken world that we are invited to step into and share our greatest story. And may the Holy Spirit direct your heart to peace in discovering that balance. Hear my heart in that. God is the Genesis, Genesis 50, 20 God. It's one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, for the saving of many lives. In other words, the circumstances around you, it feels like they're, they're meant to, to crush you and cripple you and destroy you. And yet God steps into that and he says, I can repurpose even awful situations for the saving of many lives. Friends, when God calls you, he claims you. He sets his seal on your heart. He claims you as his own. May you catch the vision for this. Our our journal this week, which is starting on page 13, 12 and 13, it's week four. And on this right-hand panel, it reads, your greatest story is filled to overflowing with ultimate purpose and meaning. God saves you. He claims you as his own bestowing upon you the identity of one of his own children. John exclaims, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. And we quickly learn that God has incredible plans for his children. We're called to be our Father's ambassadors. We're called to live lives worthy of the gospel. We're called to walk as the salt of the earth, as the light of the world, all to the end of displaying the splendor of our glorious God, that even more might be saved. There's two questions on the left panel that I want to read out loud, and I want to continue to encourage you to engage with this journal. Write down how you perceive God using you as the extension of his very body to be a blessing to the world. What does it mean to live wholeheartedly for God and his mission? What are some ways in which you sense God calling you to display his kindness to those you interact with? You see, as we understand what God is purposing, planning for your life, for all of your tomorrows, it changes the way you walk out all of your todays. You, you start living as an extension of the hands and feet of Christ. You start fighting for the things that are of the kingdom of God. And, and when you see brokenness in the world, it breaks your heart. 
when you see brothers and sisters or anybody in the world that's saying, I'm hurting, there are generational wounds that cripple me each and every day. If your heart is not breaking for that, then I don't know if you're grasping what God is calling you to. He's inviting you to be his reconciliation. He's inviting you to join him in tearing down the walls of hostility always and every time, beginning with the walls of hostility in your own heart. God loves you. Your sin separates you from God. Jesus died for your sins. God has a plan for your life. Live it. Live it today. God has a plan for you. Let's pray. Spirit of the living God, conform us to the image of your son. Help us see how you're doing this each and every day of our lives. May we keep stepping toward you. May our hearts be trained to worship you. Father, we celebrate that when you speak and when you move, when you do what only you can do, it changes us. It changes our hearts. It changes what we see. It changes what we seek. Help me see how you are taking every circumstance of my life to conform me to the image of Jesus. Displaying your splendor, extending your salvation. As I walk out all of my todays, may I do so with your eternal purpose at the forefront of my mind. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprezcos.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.